And I believe we were talking about the rapture of the church here a while back. Talking about it still, the coming of Jesus. But I believe the greatest horror that there is today, greater than missing the rapture, is missing heaven, period. Do you agree with that? To miss heaven would be a horror beyond man's wildest dreams or imagination. In the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew, begin with verse 45. Who then is a faithful and a wise servant whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his position with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gashing of teeth. If you'll stay with me for just a little while, I won't keep you no longer than God will direct me. But I want to preach you an important message tonight. I want to take you on a journey through the city of woe. Everybody that's in this house tonight, I want to take you on this journey through this horrible city of woe. Hell is a real place. And it's a place where men and women and boys and girls just like that are sitting in this house tonight, they're going there by the multitudes. By the multitudes, they're going to this awful place. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin are the pay for sin is death. The word death means to simply be to cut off forever from life, never to receive any life again. The Bible said that the wages for your sin will be death, eternal death, to be cut off from life, to never to receive life again. There is no life except in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord and your Master, you will accept life eternal. There is no life outside of Christ. The Bible said in the book of John chapter 1, it said, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Or that word light means also life. So and in him was life, and the life was the life of men. Outside of Jesus Christ, there is no life. Amen. The Bible said in John 10 and 10, Jesus 
Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You see, Christ, his purpose was to come to this earth and to give life to everyone. You see, everyone that does not know Jesus Christ abideth in darkness and your destiny is eternal damnation because you have no life in you. Can you say amen? The Bible said in John 10 and 10, the thief, the devil, cometh but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. So it's up to every man, every woman, every boy and every girl that's in this house tonight for you to choose. You're going to choose either life or either you're going to choose death. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you accept life eternal. If you reject Christ, then you accept the devil because there's no in the middle. There's no in between. You can't say, well, I'm going to get in limbo and one day I'll make a choice. There's not but one choice tonight. Either you'll serve the Lord Jesus Christ or either you will serve the devil. That was, that's all. That's it. Some people say, well, I haven't made up my mind what I'm going to do. Well, friend, let me tell you something. If you're not a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a servant of Satan. The, your father is the devil. You say, no, I'm not a Christian, but my father is not the devil. The Bible said that your father is the devil, and you are a servant of sin. You are a servant of the devil. But if you accept Christ as your Savior tonight, then I want you to know that you have life eternal in you. Amen. Hallelujah. As I stated, the name of this message or the title of my message tonight is a journey through the city of woe. Now, the Bible mentioned in the New Testament 42 times about woe and what Christ had to say about this word and how that he used the word woe. In Matthew 11, he said, Woe unto Bethsaida. The reason that he said this is because that Bethsaida had been cut off because they had rejected the works of God. They had rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you remember correctly, there was a blind man inside of the city and they brought him to Jesus and said, Lord, will you heal him? He carried him outside of the city of Bethsaida. And he said, uh, he healed the man and he said, go back not in the town, neither tell it in the town. Because the works that had been done around Bethsaida, they had rejected Jesus. They had rescinded their days of way, their days of grace away. You see, there can come a time in man's life when he'll make his final decision I'll serve God or either I won't serve God now some of you might be sitting here tonight with the last opportunity to serve God I do not know but only God knows but you're going to have an opportunity tonight to choose do you want life or if you want death amen 
So Jesus said unto Bethsaida, after that city had rejected him, time and time again he said, Woe be unto the city of Bethsaida. And in verse 24 he said, But I say unto Capernaum that it shall be more tolerable for that land of that for that land than the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. And Jesus said in Matthew 18, Jesus said, Woe unto the world because of offense. And in Matthew 23 and 13 he said, Woe unto the scribes and the Pharisees and hypocrites, for you devour women's houses and for a pretense make long prayers, therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. And Jude said, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the ways of Cain and ran greedily after the heirs of Balaam for reward, raging waves of sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is re reserved the blackness of darkness forever. You see, the word woe simply means grief. If you read the book of Revelations, it talks about the grief. It talks about the first woe, the second woe, and on. But this word woe simply means grief. And when Jesus Christ used the word woe, it simply meant gr uh, grief. And as I studied the scripture, I remember when I was a boy, I heard him make the statement and say that hell was going to be seven times hotter than any heat there was on this earth. I don't know where they got that. I guess whenever King Nebuchadnezzar heated the furnace up seven times before he threw the three Hebrew children in it, I don't know. And as time has gone on, I've heard different preachers uh, pastors and uh, evangelists talk about the different degrees that there are in hell and the different places uh, that there are in hell. And I believe tonight that the word of God can back it up, that there's going to be different places in hell. The Bible said in Revelations 21 and 8, it said, but the fearful and unbelieving and the damnable are the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. He talks about a part and a place. He talks about the hypocrites and the unbelievers having their part in the lake of fire. So the Bible seemingly to be talking about a part or different places in the lake of fire. So tonight, I want us to take a journey. I want us to go through this place, this city of woe. I want every one of you to get your mind on the Lord and make up your mind tonight. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve the devil? Young people, some of you have been in and out of these altars so many times until it's not even funny anymore. Some of you, you'll get down and you'll pray through a while and you'll go off a while. You'll come back a while and go off a while. Moms and dads are no different. They're in and out and up and down. But it's time, it's high time that everybody made up their mind. Am I going to serve God or am I going to serve the devil? Am I going to bring a reproach to the gospel by in and out and up and down? Or am I going to make up my mind that I am going to serve God? Amen. Hallelujah. I want to tell you a story. One of the most unusual stories ever heard. It's about a man named James Alexandra. 
James Alexander was a young man raised in the church of God. From the time that he was a baby like some of these, they were brought from their birth to the church of God. Mom raised him in the church. He never professed salvation. I guess he come to the altar a few times like some kids, but never really did profess salvation. But he came to the church regularly because mom made him. But in the year of his graduation year in June of that year, the last revival that they had in his home church, the evangelist walked back to him and said, James, are you saved? And James said, no, sir, I'm not saved. He said, well, would you like to be saved? He said, oh, yes, I'd like to be saved. I just don't have time right now. He said, you see, I have won a scholarship, a football scholarship, and I'm going to the University of Kentucky and I'm going to play football. And he said, my ambition is to play pro football. And he said, maybe one day, maybe later on in life, he said, I will give my life to Jesus. I realize I need to be saved. I believe in a heaven and I believe in a hell like most everybody. But he said, I really don't have time. I want to enjoy life. I want to pursue the things that I've always had my heart and mind to do so. Well, this was in the summer months, and school was still out, so James Alexander got him a part-time job, and about August of that year, he got sick, and went on one side, he began to hurt, and he had a lot of pain on that side, and he told his mom about it. They thought maybe appendicitis. They carried him to the doctor there at Lexington, Kentucky. They run all types of tests upon him. Finally, when they got him all over, they called his mom in, and come in there and they told him said James I've got some bad news for you James and he sat there and, and the doctor said James I'm sorry to tell you but you have leukemia and it's in the very last stages your left side is completely paralyzed your main arteries are already damaged beyond any repair there's nothing that we can do for you and James I want to tell you she said the doctor told him you possibly got three months or less but James did not believe what the doctor said like a lot of pre people that sit and hear a preacher preach and how I hear evangelist after evangelist talking about the coming of the Lord and about heaven and about hell and about all these things they say oh yeah maybe so one day but not now but that was the reality but James said no he said I believe I'll, I'll beat this one I'll get over this one so he went on and continued his work but he grew sicker and sicker finally they had to rush him to the hospital when he got to the hospital he was in so severe a pain until they put him in there they put him on life support machines and there they kept him on these life support machines day and night mom sat by his bed held his hands and prayed for him and said God don't let my son die and go to hell but after about the third week of being in the hospital James said he be one day he said he looked around he saw his mom and he heard her praying but he felt a strangeness come over him and he said he knew that he was dying he knew that he was fixing to leave this world but he couldn't pray and he felt like there was no need to pray I've already gone too far I've sinned my days away God wouldn't help me now and he said the machines started going off the heart monitor was going off and all the blood pressure machines was going off the 
the nurse rushed in and rushed his mom out, but he said he died. He said he literally died. He said his soul and spirit came up out of his body, and he looked down at the nurse. They was working with his body, and he said he went right on through the ceiling, said he didn't tear it, said he looked at his soul. He noticed his soul, said it was like light. He said like nothing he'd ever seen. He said uh, it was like just a mass of energy. It was like a body. His eyes, his nose had all the senses that a body, a fleshly body should have except for the body. But he said as he went up through the ceiling and said he looked around, he looked around in the earth's atmosphere and he said he saw demonic forces that had completely covered this world all the way around. He said he saw Christian people on their way to heaven and angels was escorting them through through these demonic forces and was carrying them on up. And he said he looked to his left and he saw two demon spirits. They was huge and they had a chain in their hand and they started towards him. And he said he looked and he, there was no way he could get away. Said he tried to get away but there was no way he could. Said they laughed and they grabbed him and they chained him. But he said he began to cry and he began to ask for mercy but said they only laughed and made fun of him. He said after they had him chained they began to descend with him and he said he began to go down into darkness darkness like he'd never experienced before and cold he said it was cold he said people don't realize on this planet even the Christians and the sinners alike that they're engulfed in the presence of almighty God sinner you're engulfed tonight in the presence of almighty God what you feel tonight is God's presence that's in this building tonight you sense God's presence you don't realize it maybe but God here and he said as he began to descend he realized that he was out of the presence of God and it was so cold coldness like he had never felt before and he said he came through like a long black dark tunnel or either a space of time and they said when he saw light he noticed that there was light just ahead and when he came to this light he noticed that it was a huge opening it was a place huge like he had never seen before and there was gates there and on those gates they were big he said gates he said I never saw anything like it he said and there was writings on that gate I stood before that gate and those demons had me chained and they were laughing he said I was weeping he said I looked up and he said I read the sign that was on that gate and here's what he said that he wrote that he read on that gate said through these gates you pass into the city of woe into eternal torment where all hope is lost forever he said he read that sign and he began to weep the harder and he said I don't want to go in there the see those gates begin to open and he said he read the sign again as he passed by through these gates you pass into the city of woe into eternal torment where all hope is gone and lost forever he said that the demons began to laugh at him as they carried him and drug him through the gates he said he felt alone said he felt like he never felt before he said that he looked around and he was in a place in this place in this city of woe it was hell itself and he said he looked across it it was beyond measure but he said he looked and he saw hell it was made up in seven different circles like in seven different 
different layers. It was a pit, and it went straight down. And he said that when he went into the first pit, he said it was a mist of darkness like he had never seen before. And he said in this mist of darkness, he heard weeping and wailing and crying. And this first place was the place where they, they, those that went, they were cast into this place that had rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said they were there by the millions and by the multitudes. They were in this first circle in hell, darkness. The mist would burn. He said your fair flesh literally burned. He said it was torment. It was blackness. And you heard those people. They were crying out and saying, the only reason we're here rejected. We rejected the gospel. We rejected the gospel. And he said they were blind. They were, it was so dark. They began to cry out and say, let us see light again. Let us see light again. The only reason we're here is we rejected the gospel and then they would begin to cry out and name their goodness and talk about what good people they were and name their good things that they have all done. But yet through this they cried and they wept. The darkness was so intensified and the mist was horrible and it was terrible and he said it burned. It was so horrible he said Jesus said in that you 25 and 30 Jesus said cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth he said it was a cry and weeping like he had never heard before but he said he descended on through the first level and then he went on down to the second level of hell and there he was in the second level and there those there who would not fear God all those that had lost their fear of God was in this place he said it was different than the first place he said in here you could see like you couldn't see in the first level and in this place he said was volcanoes that was erupting and explosions that would deafen you almost it was constantly exploding and rivers of lava was running through that place and he saw the souls of them that did not fear God and, and how that they would they would be blown by great winds over into the sea of lava. They would come crawling out of the lava and the lava had them coated and they were wiping it off and they were screaming how they were tormented in the lava and he said and demons would laugh and push them back in that lava that was burning and hot and he said he saw the wind as it blew these souls against rocks and they back into the lava and they began to cry out and said give us one more opportunity to fear God give us one more opportunity to fear God but the demons that were there in charge of the pit they laughed and murked at them because they cried out and asked for mercy and they would cry there's no mercy in this place you are in the city of woe church it's real tonight I don't know what you think but it's a real place tonight amen he went on down to a third level, he said, and there was in this third level 
a place where witchcraft was and the occults and those who hated God. This place was ruled by demons that had eyes like coals of fire. And as they looked upon these souls that were there, they literally burned them and set them on fire. Their soul would burn, not dissolve, but it would burn. And they had on their claws, on their hands, long claws. And they were constantly cutting these people and making fun of them and reminded them how that back on earth that they worshiped them. And they gave their life to their work, to worshiping demonic forces. And also in here, was those who played around with God and played with witchcraft and who put their minds and their thoughts into thinking that the gifts of God could be bought with money. Listen, let me tell you something. You can't buy God tonight. He's not for sale. Some people give to God with the intentions of thinking that God's going to give them back something great. Listen, let me tell you something, church. You don't put a price tag on God. If you give something, you give it out of a free heart because you love God and nothing else. Amen. I know God rewards those that give but when we begin to think that we can buy God, I'm telling you tonight God is not for sale. Amen. He goes on to say that the fourth place that he entered on in and he went on down into the fourth place. In that fourth place, he said this was where the backslider and the hypocrites would. He said these that would not serve God and these that played with God. He said this was a place of memories. This was a place where fire literally shot up through the walls and through the floor. And a wind would blow like welders' torches. And they were demon spirits that would coax these people into remembering how that they used to serve God. God. This, these backsliders would walk through there and they'd say I had the keys to heaven and I'd throw it away and how they would remember how that God bless them. They would remember all the good things but yet it was too late and there was no mercy. He said the fire was intensified. They were tormented day and night and this place of memory the demon forces would laugh at them and make fun of them because that they coaxed them into throwing up their hands and giving up God they would laugh at them and say listen I tempted you and you yielded to my temptation that's why you're in this awful pit church let me tell you something there is a place for backsliders in this place called hell amen he said it was an awful place a terrible place but he said then he went on through the fourth place and then he came down to this fifth level in hell. And he said in this fifth level was a place for perverts and those that had, had lust, all kinds of lust. The lust for money, the lust for sex, homosexuality, lesbians and all perverts were on this fifth level. And in this fifth level he said there were diseases of all kind. There was AIDS, herpes, there was syphilis and gonorrhea and all kinds of perverted diseases. And he said it was a place that had an odor like no 
human being can ever imagine the odor, the foulness of that air stunk. He said it was worse than any human rotten flesh that you could ever smell. But he said the filth, it was so filthy, filthy, filthy. He said it was worse, the worst he had ever seen and the smell. And he said the filth that run like rivers, these demonic forces had these people in chains and they would drag them through this filth and they would cry out for a breath of fresh air and every disease that was in that place tormented these people he said that that's where AIDS come from was this fifth level of hell how that God allowed it to be turned loose on this earth on perverted people but he said it was a horrible place said it was an awful place he said that he saw people crying and begging for mercy and there they were they were pushed into this swill into this perverted place rivers after rivers of nothing but filth he said in the odor and the air was so thick and so foul and the perversion that flowed like a river was like volcanic lava it was hot it was tormented and every pervert that was in this place had every kind of disease and was tormented by all these diseases day and night said it was a horrible place church hell is no joke it is a horrible place tonight amen he said he went on down to the sixth level and there when he got to the sixth level he said this was a place for thieves and robbers said god hates thieves and robbers said it was a different place than all the rest said it was a place of brightness real bright light because of the fire he said and it was like a desert nothing he said it was as though everything had been stolen everything had been taken away and he said millions of souls like wandered through a scorching burning desert that was nothing but heat he said there was no water there there was no trees there there was nothing there it was like a desert and that that desert was literal fire and they walked upon that desert and another thing he said he noticed there they could not hear they was nothing they couldn't hear nothing everything was silence dead silence and people would walk and stare they would cry out but nothing or no one hear them it was as though everything had been stolen and removed he said it was a horrible desolate place but he said they were there by the millions millions can you imagine that there tonight in the sixth level in this place for the thieves and the robbers but he said he descended on down to the seventh level and he said on the seventh level was a place for murderers and all those that committed violent crimes such as Stalin who killed his millions, 20 million. Stalin was responsible for killing and Hitler who murdered over 12 million men like this and even Satan himself will be cast over into this seventh level. He said on this seventh level it, there's a river of blood that flows through this place and this blood is like lava that burns and it's hot and these people that these murders and these people that committed violent crimes are cast over into this river of blood and every soul that they ever murdered the, their cry is in that river and they hear the cry of that individual how that it screams day and night and it said that everyone that committed a violent crime however that crime was committed they suffered that crime if they kill 50 people in 50 different ways
head off with this wire because that's how he killed that person. And he said he would literally cut his head off and the man would scream and beg for mercy. And as soon as he cut it off, it would go right back together. And he kept on cutting it off and cutting it off. And while he was cutting that man's head off, they were those demon spirits standing there with knives and kept sticking this man because the person that he murdered, he amputated their head and stabbed them many times with a knife. He said there was another man there that had only committed one murder. And he said this man committed the murder by entombing a person and smothering them to death. He said the demons had this person in a place and they were smothering them through the endless ages like a coffin entombed there where nothing but heat and they couldn't move in any way. There he was entombed forever. He said he looked around he thought about the horror. He heard the screams of the souls. He saw the pain and agony of those that were there and he said he cried out and said God I don't want to stay here. The demons that had him by the chain said, you're not going to stay here. Said, you go back up to the first level. And as they carried him up through hell, and they brought him up to that first level, there were all those that had rejected Christ. They stood on the edge of that, and they were about to cast him over into that place of darkness. He said he began to cry, and he began to weep. But he said in the background he heard something. Said he heard his mom praying. Said it rolled across his memory as his mom said in the intensive care unit and saying God don't let my boy go to hell. God don't let my son go to hell. Don't let him go to hell. And he said those prayers rolled across his mind like he had never imagined. He said he could hear his mom. But he said as those demon spirits began to cast him over into this place of darkness and everlasting torment. He said he turned around he looked towards the gates and he saw a light coming and it came in a hurry and it stood just outside the gates and he said he saw Jesus as he stood there and he looked over at these demon spirits and he said loose him he said immediately the chains fell off of him and he said he walked towards Jesus and said he started back up through the shaft and said he came to himself he was in the intensive care unit and his mom was standing there rubbing his hand saying God don't let my boy go to hell and today James Alexander is a preacher of the gospel. He's a church of God preacher and he's going around telling people that heaven's real and so is hell. Don't go there. Hell is a reality. And I'm here tonight to tell you that hell is a reality. The city of woe really is a place of torment, a place of agony. It is a place that is real. And tonight, just like you, that's sitting in this congregation, he said he saw millions of them going into this awful place. So tonight you're going to make a choice. Do I want to serve the Lord and have life in me and go to this city called heaven or do I want to reject God and possibly before I go home tonight wind up in one of those circles, those seven layers of hell that spend the endless ages? That will be a horror. A horror beyond your wildest imagination. I've always said to miss the rapture would be a terrible thing. To miss the catching away of the coming of the Lord. But the most horrible thing of all would be to go to this awful place. To go to this awful place. Hell is real tonight. And I pray that not one lost soul will leave here tonight. And rest again until he finds Jesus as his Savior. When I heard that man's testimony, it bothered me. 
Oh, it bothered me. I rolled it over in my mind over and over and over. I went to the Word of God and I read what the Bible had to say about it. Church, it's real. It's a real place tonight. We're not playing games here. I didn't come here tonight to play games. I didn't come here tonight for anything other than to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to let you know that there is life everlasting in Jesus Christ. But you must make the choice. It is up to you. No one can do it for you. It must be you and you alone. No one else can make it for you. You must accept Christ as your own Savior, your own self. The Bible says let every man, every man work out his own soul salvation with fear and trembling. I was reading an article, and this was about an atheist who was laying there dying, and all of his atheist friends were sitting there. This man's name, he was a popular man. He was a general in an army. They called him general, but he was an atheist. As he lay on his bed dying and all of his atheist friends were standing around him, telling him what a good man he'd been over the past and that he was a good boy and all that and not to worry about everything, they was going to take care of it. He looked up at him and he said this. He said, don't tell me there's no God. He said, for I'm in the hands of an angry God right now. He said, don't tell me there's no hell because I feel the flames around my feet now. And that man died and slipped out of this world. There was a man named Mr. Baltares. Baltares was an atheist. Known worldwide, wrote many books. In the library tonight, you could find books that Mr. Baltares wrote. He was an atheist. Hated God. Hated everything God stood for. Just like Madeline Murray O'Hare. She hates God. She hates everything that God stands for. Says there's no such thing. Said it's a figment of man's minds and their imagination. Baltares wrote many, many books. He tried to destroy Christianity around the world. Sad part about it, whenever he went to a city, when his airplane would land, he'd have police escort. He'd go to a coliseum. He said they'd fill it up by the thousands. He made fun. He mocked Christianity and those that served God. Baltair's become an old man. And his, I believe it was, I can't remember his age now, but he wasn't all that old, but he got very sick. He was in London. Went to his family doctor. Doctor checked him out and said, Mr. Baltair's, I find nothing wrong with you. He said, but I'm a sick man. So he referred him to a specialist. The man said, doctor said, Mr. Baltares, there's nothing wrong with you. He said, you're a healthy man. He said, but I'm sick. Sicker than I've ever been in my life. He went to several specialists and they all told him the same. Finally, they put him in the hospital, run all kind of tests on him. They sent him home. Lived in a big mansion in England. About a four or five story long, looked like castle. Very wealthy man, very wealthy had acquired millions of dollars throughout his life, selling his books and speaking at different places. His doctor told him one day, he came in and said, Mr. Baltares, I want to tell you something. He said, I don't understand your case. He said, we've examined you, specialists have examined you. But he said, we find nothing wrong with you except one thing. Mr. Baltares said, what's that? He said, you're dying, and you're dying in a hurry, and we don't know why. Voltaire's looked up at the doctor and grabbed him by both hands in his 
lapel. He said, Doctor, he said, if you'll give me six months, I'll make you the wealthiest man in England. The doctor removed his hands and said, Mr. Voltaire's, I can't guarantee you six minutes, that long six months. A nurse that stayed by him wrote later, this recorded him. She said, for all the money in England, I'd never, never sit by another infidel while he died. She said he screamed horrible screams. And she said, there's one thing I remember. They kept him in his castle over in the back corner. Every time one of his men or a maid or someone would walk in, he'd look at them and he would jump up on the bed beside and push against the wall and he'd scream and he'd say, the Nazarene, the Nazarene, the Nazarene, the Nazarene. He closed his eyes and left this world screaming, pointing his finger, the Nazarene, the Nazarene. Hell ain't a joke. The city of woe is not a fantasy. It was not a made-up story that I told you. But hell's real. Every torment is real. It's a real place. But you going to have to make up your mind tonight. Not tomorrow. Not in the morning. Not after you get home. You're going to have to make a decision now. Tonight. Where do you want to spend eternity? in heaven by accepting Jesus as your Savior because your actions tonight your actions is going to speak louder than words if you go out that door you're going to say I want no part of him if you come to this altar you're saying Lord here I come nothing in my hands I bring but simply to that old cross tonight I'll cling. He'll give you life. Life eternal. Hell's real. You don't hear a lot of preaching on it. Fans just come and go and pastors and preachers. But they don't talk about this place, this city of woe. It's a negative message. But I want you to know tonight... That if you go there before daylight in the morning, you can't say the preacher didn't warn me. The preacher didn't tell me. But I'm telling you how to bypass it. Come and confess your sins to Jesus. And ask him for mercy. And accept him as your Lord and Savior tonight. Or walk out those doors. And walk over the blood of Jesus. And over this message I preach tonight. Would you stand and nobody leaving. I've delivered my soul to you. I felt this in my heart today. I think about young people day by day, day by day. Today, this afternoon, stop by the Magic Market on the way home to get a newspaper for my wife. I pulled up by this pickup truck and I saw two young boys sitting in a truck that I knew. I watched them. One of them was less than 18 years old poured some coca-cola in a cup reached down and picked up a fifth of Canadian Lord Cowards and began to pour it over in that cup 
I walked up there and said, I'm telling on you. And they set it down. I could tell they were, both of them, were very high on alcohol. They apologized and said they were sorry. Sorry, Brother Gene, I didn't see you there. I talked to them about their soul, about the Lord, a few moments. They drove off, and I watched them through the store window. They were laughing. It's funny. But before daylight in the morning, who knows where they'll be. That could be your sons. But listen to me, Mom and Dad. We got in a hurry a few weeks ago and run told them all, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The rapture is about to take place. You need to run twice as fast, twice as hard with a greater message. Hell's real. And you're going there if you don't get saved. Miss it. Hell is real. It's a greater message to the sinner than the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is for the saints. You tell the saints, Jesus is coming. Hold on, we're going to leave here. But to the sinner, you say, hell's a reality and that's your destiny tonight. Where are you going to spend it? I'd like for you to bow your head. Close your eyes. My blessed God, I've done my best. I've done my best. Now I commit this altar service into your hands now and ask you, God, to open the eyes of the blind. I pray that this night the lost will see his way to Calvary, this old altar tonight. Those that's backslid, those that's sinners, those that are here tonight, I offer them hope. Pray, church. I want you to pray now. He said, on those gates was written, through these gates you pass into the city of woe, into eternal torment, where all hope is lost forever. Through these gates, you pass into a city of woe. Through these gates, will you read that sign on those gates one day? Tonight, if you're lost, you don't know Jesus, will you step out now? This is your opportunity. 